So tonight I wanted to, well, say, I want to say I was really grateful at the end of meditation when we did the little gratitude that I was really grateful to, that I get to sit with you. And, you know, when I started this journey 12 years ago, uh, how I ended up starting that class is I bumped into someone, as I said, Against the Stream was only about eight months old. And I bumped into a woman who would sit with us at the Hollywood Farmer's Market. I think that's the only time I ever went to the Hollywood Farmer's Market in my life. And she said, you know, why don't you teach a group? There's no women there teaching. And I went, okay. And I, uh, I started the group. And I was horrible, as we uh, tend to be when we're brand new so earnest and you know when if you if you've ever taught anything you just like over teach and um have way too much material and try and cram it all in at least that's my experience and i talked to other people that they did the same thing so um but i'm i'm tickled that if i still get to do this i'm really grateful i'm grateful for the dharma i'm grateful for uh you i'm grateful for these 12 years of um of putting one foot in front of the other it's uh, been extraordinary a great journey and um that i still know some folks that were around back then which is really lovely so anyway uh that's not what i wanted to talk about tonight I wanted to I wanted to do a teaching that is um, that I really don't hear. I don't I, I think I've only um, heard it or read it or it's been exposed to it once. But it's really um, I think it's an interesting way of looking at um, what uh, gets us moving along the path of uh, uh, right action. And it's this teaching called uh, about two two concepts called Hiri and Otapa. I don't know if you've heard of those before. Yeah, Robert, I'm, I'm sure you have. And um, they're roughly translated. Hiri is moral shame, and Otapa is moral fear. That's one translation. Um, Tanisaro Biku translates them as conscience and concern. And what they are, they're these these ways that kind of move, as I said, move us into or towards uh, wise action. Wise action, the precepts are the underpinnings. Um, they're the underpinnings of the precepts, basically, these, these um, impetuses. And then I'm like, is that the plural of impetus or is it impetize? These impetuses that get us going, um, moving towards doing the right thing, doing, doing the wise thing, doing what needs to be done. And the precepts, just as you know, are a way to be in the world. They're the way that we don't kill and we don't lie and we don't um, steal and we're wise with our sexuality. And not just that, but we don't, um, we cultivate kindness and generosity and compassion and, and um, cultivate connection and mindfulness uh, and, and, and are careful with how we move through the world. So there's the don't do this, but also do that. And um, they, it would be nice to believe, at least for me, it would be nice to believe that I am moved to do these things because out of the goodness of my heart, because I see the, the richness and the uh, 
the importance of these teachings and so I want to do them and that's true to a certain extent but this this teaching on Hiri Onatapa and I say that because it's easier to say the words than moral shame and moral fear um, those for me are a little clunky so uh, it's 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 helpful to have this uh, this um, this driver of Hiri and Otapa as ways that, like little dogs that are nipping at my heels get me thinking twice about um, the behavior I might might move in this the direction of instead of doing what actually uh, should be done. It's like remember those old cartoons where there's the devil on one shoulder and the um, angel on the other shoulder and the angel is saying yeah you need to do this and the the devil's like nah do that so it's almost like that kind of a thing um, so what this is is um, uh, uh, here he is this internal awareness of the discomfort or the, the guilt or the shame of having um, done things, unwise things, unbeneficial things, having uh, uh, caused harm and been unskillful in our actions. And, and Otapa is seeing the harm that might be caused by actions we're contemplating um, taking. And so it's a little bit of, oh, if I do that, I'm going to get bitten or something like that. So those are those are two pieces that can support our movement along the the path, and um, it's helpful, to, I think, to have these types of things because we live in an incredibly conditioned world. I've talked about conditioning a lot recently um, because we're in a we're in a time and a place in our society when people are looking at the deep conditioning that we have been moving through the world with the systemic oppression. That's part of our cultural conditioning as as um, residents of this uh, of this uh, country and as residents of the world too. Bigger picture, but we're all deeply conditioned by our surroundings and and our. Uh, uh, society and our families of course so to have these little things that might start being uh, uncomfortable getting us to kind of wake up from our delusion are helpful so this this internal draw these internal drivers are really beneficial because we don't if we're so conditioned by our surroundings, by society, we may be doing things that we aren't even aware of. We're so caught in delusion. Um, so when you have something that really um, comes from a deep place of, you know, that's probably not quite right, or that's just not, that's a little bit off, it's helpful. So conscience, this is why I think the word that Tan Jeff uses, conscience, for here he is like we start paying attention to that conscience. It's so easy to push it down when, we're, when we pay attention to the, to the conditioning around us. Um, but it's important, important to pay attention. Um, Bhikkhu Bodhi has written an article called The Guardians of the World about these two um, these two uh, uh, concepts, Hiri on Atapa, how they guard us. And in it, he talks about the Buddhist teaching is at its core a doctrine of liberation 
that provides us with the tools for cutting through the fetters that keep us bound to this world of suffering, this round of repeated births and deaths. Although the quest for liberation by practice of the Dhamma depends on individual effort, this quest necessarily takes place within a social environment and is thus subject to all the influences, helpful or harmful, imposed upon us by that environment. That's the conditioning that although we're, we're, we're on this personal journey, we're impacted by all these things, this deep, deep, deep conditioning. So beginning to pay attention to these internal drivers is really helpful. And so Hiri is this um, described as wholesome shame or remorse. Um, this shrinking away from um, doing or saying anything that might cause harm, and I don't, I don't like the word shame, but it's that's what that's um, you know a lot of the translations are uh, uh, they don't always land because of how we've come to understand them. Um, I like Brene Brown when she talks about shame and guilt. She talks about guilt as recognizing that we've done something wrong and shame is a thing that says we are wrong so that's that I try and shy away from using the word shame because we sometimes use it to beat each other over the heads with we shame people um, and so maybe it's more of a sense of remorse over our actions this this really taking stock of what we've done and how it's uncomfortable how it's really uncomfortable and instead of pushing it away as we can do in so many with so many distractions you know eat it drink it you know use sex use drugs rock and roll whatever shop um, whatever we have chosen to use to push those experiences down we can do that but this is an invitation to start paying attention to that little voice inside or whatever it feels like that that knot in your gut that says you know that wasn't very wise that wasn't very kind it wasn't very skillful and if you look at it you uh, you actually caused some harm. I, I, I look back on my life and I see my behaviors and the great harm I caused to other people while being oblivious to it because I was caught up in, in craving. I was caught up in fear. I was caught up in what if what about me? You know, the blindness that the Buddha talks about, that we just don't see clearly and the harm I was ca causing. And when I finally stopped and took stock of it, I went, holy moly. And I became willing to investigate my, take accountability, which is what the Buddha invites us to do. This is a practice of personal accountability and began to have a sense of respect and awareness that that's not okay that's not okay paying attention to that little nibbling thing inside as I said it's that internal respect for ourselves and the beginnings of the development of a of a stronger integrity and I like to talk about integrity when I talk about the the that that um, part of the Eightfold Path Sila you know um, ethical behavior integrity when we begin to develop integrity, sometimes this hearing, this internal, you remember what it feels like when you do that, 
can be beneficial and can spur us on. We're not always driven by that, as I said, that I want to do it because I'm a good person, but I don't want to feel like that again. And and when you develop that sense of integrity and you act in a way that, that is ethical and non-harming, it, it makes the other factors of the Eightfold Path that much easier. You have the ethical behavior section portion of the Eightfold Path, and that supports the, um, the, the steadiness of mind, the samadhi portion of the, the Eightfold Path. And then you have that supports the, the cultivation of wisdom. So it's really a, a foundational practice, this willingness to behave ethically and pay attention to the voice or pay attention to that sensation that's inside you, that's suggesting maybe you should do it a little differently. Maybe it's not the best thing to do what you have been doing. Um, they are, it's a guardian, as the both of them are, but they're a guardian to... Uh, uh, protect us from greed, hatred, and delusion. And um, the other side of that is when we notice that or we pay attention to our behavior of our possible, when we're contemplating an action, contemplating uh, saying something, what's the outcome of this going to be? Thinking something through is really important. We think it through and see what it, whether it's going to harm us or harm others. So this is, this is when we practice mindfulness and slow the mind down and we're not just reacting. Sensation, reaction, sensation, reaction. We pause, we see the sensation, we see the reactivity arising and maybe we don't act on the reactivity or we don't act on it. We respond in a different way. And we, because we've been building this, this integrity, we've been building this wise, um, this wise way of being in the world, we don't cause harm. We don't lash out. We don't say things that we don't really want to say. We don't do things we don't want to do. Whereas when we're driven by greed and, and um, um, fear and delusion, like when I was talking about reflecting back, I was in a couple of relationships in my late teens and early 20s, and I had no clue how to be in a relationship, absolutely no clue how to be intimate with another human being. I, I did not know how to express my feelings. I did not know how to share what was internal to me. And when I would be coming bored with the relationship or I would you know, maybe start looking around for something better. Or if I was afraid that person was becoming bored with me, then I'm like, ah, I gotta find something. And so I, I, I was only looking out for my own self. And that caused a lot of hurt and a lot of harm. And so now when I stop and I look and I go, oh, that, that unskillful behavior, if I do that, that's gonna cause harm. And the old behavior was driven by this delusion delusion and now that the fog is cleared I'm not so deluded and it's like maybe dating someone while you're living with someone else is not the way to go about developing intimate relationships which I have done in my life but what did I know I was just looking out for me and and I was in that place of I you know poor me poor me not maliciously but fear driven absolute fear 
drove those actions. So seeing that and going, okay, so if I do that, it's going to cause harm to not just other people, but harm to ourselves, because this is about not causing harm to ourselves. When we talk about not harming, not causing harm, it's about not causing harm to ourselves as well. And um, another another way of, I mentioned that a translation of otapa is moral fear or dread. What are the consequences of these actions? Really paying attention. And you can even say it's like when you're contemplating something, what would the Buddha do? What would the, you know what they always say, what do Buddhists say? You get that question, it's like, well, what would the Buddha say about this? Or what, you know, that can be, is this going to cause harm? You reflect on it before you do, do it, you reflect on it after you've done it. So you develop this wisdom and you develop this way of, um, um, of being in the world. Uh, that's, that's wise. And in the sutta, it talks about um, the some of the consequences are we fear losing the trust of the wise and the virtuous whom we treasure. We fear of losing the, the trust of the people we, we value, the, our loved ones. You know, is this going to, is this going to, for lack of a better word, piss somebody off? Are they going to be disappointed in us, which is another one of those words that's really, uh, really harsh when somebody's disappointed, when you've disappointed someone. So allowing these seemingly, and I don't want to say negative, but these, these two types of experiences, this remorse or guilt over behaviors or fear of consequences, Allow them to be guides. These guardians, as I said, guardians of um, the guardians that unite to protect the mind from greed, hatred, and delusion. They work in unison to keep us on the path. And it's hoped that at some point you'll be, um, the, the teachings will have become embodied enough that you're just doing it because you truly are driven by a, a, a desire to um, meet everything with kindness and compassion. That does, that does, um, that sense of wanting to do it because you see clearly the harm that's caused when you don't do it, that that's, that becomes a larger driver, a larger, larger driver of your intention to not cause harm. But until I get there, this, this remorse or this fear I'm going to start paying attention to it because I, I have spent many days or I have asked myself many times, when am I going to start paying attention to that, that, that intuition, for lack of a better word, that, that internal um, voice, that internal sensation, that, that nibbling that I kind of go poof, you know, push it away, push it away. And sometimes I just have to go, no, I'm going to, I'm going to pay attention to this. When I'm thinking about the second otapa, the second part of this, what what I find really helpful uh, in reflecting on um, whether to do something or not, I mean, there's the, is this going to cause harm? But the, the teaching around wise speech, is it necessary? You know, is what I'm going to do necessary? Is it, is it, is it true? I mean, is it true as when you're talking about speech? But is it the right time? 
or is what I need to is what I'm going to do necessary that will stop me in my tracks a lot of times because I think I have to do X Y or Z but if I think if I ask myself is this necessary it get, sometimes gives gives you time to pause and think there's that famous quote from Viktor Frankl in between stimulus and response there's a, a pause or a moment I I don't have it exactly and that in that that in between the stimulus and response we have the time to choose which direction we're going to move in so this mindfulness practice is really an, as an, as as with anything it's the underpinning of of how we move through the world slowing down reflecting seeing what's present and moving um, in the appropriate direction, moving in a way that doesn't cause harm, that isn't going to cause harm to ourselves or to others. Um, there's a couple of things. Um, yeah, uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi says, the project of self-cultivation, which the Buddha proclaims as the means to liberation from suffering, requires that we keep a critical watch over the movements of our minds both on occasions when they motivate bodily and verbal deeds and when they remain inwardly absorbed with their own preoccupations. Yeah. To exercise such self-scrutiny is an aspect of heedfulness, which the Buddha states is the path to the deathless. It's the path to the deathless. If we're not, um, if we're attention and we're letting go, you know, the unconditioned is, the, is Nibbana is when we're not when we're not conditioned is when there's this liberation so if we cultivate within ourselves these qualities of moral shame and fear of wrongdoing here in otapa we not only accelerate our own progress along the path to deliverance but also contribute our share to toward the protection of the world given the intricate interconnections that hold between all living forms to make the sense of shame and fear of wrong, the guardians of our own minds is to make ourselves guardians of the world. As the roots of the morality, these two qualities sustain the entire efficacy of the Buddha's liberating path. As the safeguards of personal decency, they are at the same time the preserve at the same time preserve the dignity of the human race. So when that's that points to that teaching, we don't practice just for our own benefit, but we practice for the benefit of all beings. When we when we are paying attention to these internal drivers of oh of of uh, really bringing the precepts to bear in all our actions and our thoughts and our our our, our words and our deeds. If we move through the world with this as a solid underpinning, this is what drives us to practice the precepts, which drives us to live in a way that doesn't cause harm. So it's we're big picture, big vision Bhikkhu Bodhi has. We uh, preserve the dignity of the human race. And it's true. It's when we when we live with the precepts as a way of life, we make it safe for people to be around us. And if all of us did that, that would be extraordinary. It would absolutely be extraordinary to practice with the, for the benefit of all beings. All beings. So um, I think this is a, it's, a, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting way to um, 
reflect on the precepts. And it's an interesting way to uh, reflect on these things that do that are very real in our lives, this sense of guilt and remorse. I know people ask about that at all all the time, or the the sense of 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 fear about you know well if I don't do this then what you know it, there's a karmic sense of that there's a there's a if you don't do this who knows what'll happen maybe you'll lose lose the respect of friends maybe you'll go to jail who knows depending on what it is you're doing or planning um, so I think it's a, it's 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 an interesting um, it's an interesting contemplation. And a way to hold those experiences that so many of us have. So those are my thoughts on um, conscience and concern or guilt and um, uh, what is it? Moral fear, moral shame and moral fear. So I'd love to, uh, I want to break you into a couple of groups, but I also would be happy to um, hear any thoughts or comments or questions around this. Robert. Well, I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, one thing that struck me um, from Bhikkhu Bodhi, just to, that I that came to mind that I, that I read in, in uh, one of his books when he's describing Sila, is that in his book called The Eightfold Path, the Power Path book, um, that moral. Because this idea of moral can be a real kind of for me a little bit like oh I don't kind of wanted to go there, but what he says in Buddhism that morality is not the same as like an other Western uh, spiritual traditions, but it's being in harmony mm. with that, and I just love that so much. So when I think when people mention morality in Buddhism, I just pop that into my head. And it's, it just has to do with what's harmony with life, which is much more open and, and beautiful. Right. Yeah, thank you. I remember that 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 uh, when he talks about the harmony, it is much more, oh yeah, that's right, we're in harmony, we're not in discord. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and that's yeah. what it is when we're in this flow. Yeah. It's like being nice. A concept. Others. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's the underpinning of the, he writes. I remember the underpinning of the first uh, the first uh, precept of not intentionally taking life. It's grounded in the idea that all beings love life and fear death. You know, all beings, all beings. And so we just have to understand that we treat all beings this way and that's in harmony. Yeah. Thank you. Anything else? Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.